happy. You got to be happy. Come on and be happy. Sing a little song. Welcome to the Secrets of Success on Tour and today I am in, well I'm in two places sort of, we're in Abu Dhabi in Wales and we're also got a link to South Germany. Uh, welcome Lucy Heyman and Rian Jones, how are you? Well thank you, first, Yeah, first in person thing for a while so. Yeah. <laughs> it's so <laughs> lovely to be here genuinely and I think I'm excited about so many things about being here mainly to talk to both of you. I've made a five-hour journey to be here and what is amazing is I'm staying with a friend and it turns out that you're neighbours with my friend which is just incredible. Mm, really is. It's just amazing. So so welcome to both of you. I want to introduce both of you first of all and I was going to read your bios but I wondered would you like to introduce yourselves and just explain a bit about what you do? Mm -hmm. Rianne, um, do you want to go first? Yeah, so um, I'm a freelance music business journalist. Um, I started my career about 10 years ago now at Music Week, where I was on staff for about three years before going freelance. Um, today I write for The Guardian, The Independent, Music Business Worldwide, and a US trade title called Hits Daily Double. And I'm also the co-author, alongside Lucy, of our health-focused career guide for musicians called Sound Advice, which I'm sure we will be discussing more in the podcast. Yeah, that book is so awesome. And uh, someone quoted saying that it was a Bible for the music industry, and I totally concur. So many congratulations on the release of that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to really digging a bit deeper into that. Thank you. Lucy. Um, so I'm a vocal, a vocal and performance coach uh, and researcher. I, I would say basically I do a whole load of things that all focus on supporting the health and well-being of musicians and artists. Um, so in whatever form that comes in, so I do a PhD and I teach at the Royal College of Music. Um, I have a consultancy where I work with music charities um, providing resources and tools and services for musicians. Um, I also have a podcast, uh, the Elevate Music podcast, which is sponsored by the charity Help Musicians. Um, and we look at a lot of the musicians' health issues that they face in there. And we also talk to experts about ways that listeners can actually self-manage and, and, and or signposting for more support. Um, and then, yeah, I've been writing Sound Advice with Rianne. My gosh, that's incredible. Genuinely, it is such a joy to have both of you on the podcast. So thank you so much for coming along. I guess my first question is, um, what have you been doing on lockdown? Here we are. Um, Rianne, you just got married I, and you've been in Mexico. Is that right? Um, yeah, I got married at the end of April and um, then went to Mexico for a month, which feels like a miracle during these times. <laughs> Many congratulations. Thank you. Um, and yeah, we were able to go on holiday because we're traveling from Germany, where unlike the UK, there wasn't an outright ban on travel, thankfully. So yeah, that's been amazing. And it, it was a honeymoon, but it was also like a post book break because the book has kind of consumed mine and Lucy's lives for the best part of two and a half years at this point. Um, and especially towards the end, it was it was really full on because um, we self-published so we didn't only write the thing we also kind of project managed getting it out there so yeah that was huge learning curve lots of stressful moments lots of fun and fulfilling moments but I, I got to the point where I really needed to take some time off so luckily because I'm freelance I was able to take a whole month off and have a total adventure and 
really enjoy myself. So I'm just super grateful that I was able to actually travel and do that. Yeah, how amazing. What was your favourite thing in Mexico? What did you like most? Oh, so many things. Um, We did quite a lot of travelling, so we saw loads. And the places that stand out for me were a place called Palenque, which is um, kind of in the middle of Mexico. And we stayed just surrounded by forest in this little very basic hut um there was a restaurant nearby which had live music every night which was amazing and we went to incredible waterfalls on that trip just like stuff that I've never even seen before um and it was boiling hot so just to jump in like a cold pool with a waterfall was just amazing and then the last bit of the trip we went to a place called Bacala which is all which is all centered around a lagoon they call it like the lagoon of seven colors and um that was like the totally total relaxation part of the trip where we just stayed in a beautiful eco cabin next to the lagoon and swam every day and had like amazing fresh fruit for breakfast and went to nice restaurants for dinner and did some exploring around that little area so that was super beautiful um yeah i'd say those were probably my two highlights in terms of places but loads of other highlights uh, amongst that of course i'm putting it on my list sounds amazing Mm. sounds totally amazing and lisa what have you been doing on lockdown writing writing (laughs) um yeah a lot of writing i've also been contributing chapters to tams and embleton's um, mental health and touring manual that's coming out later in the year and i started sort of doing a vocal vocal health chapter and then I think I said to her, actually, we probably need something to do with performance. And then those, but those performance chapters have grown and, uh, and I'm sort of still working on them at the moment. Um, but yeah, my own podcast. Um, so we've had another, I think we've done another 18 episodes. Wow. Um, and each, for each podcast episode, we have either two or three contributors interviewed separately. So a lot of sitting in this room. Wow. Yes. <laughs> That's um, amazing. And I'm looking, I, I'm going to try and take a break, like, you know, so just locally, um, yeah. maybe soon, because I, I need so it. so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. Where can people find your podcast? Uh, so it's called the Elevate Music Podcast. Um, it's available through any podcast platform, basically. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, there's, and there, we've got two seasons and we had some COVID specials as well. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, there's just so much brilliant advice that I've been able to actually implement in my own life through lockdown yeah. as well. Especially in the COVID specials, we spoke to, um, a couple of psychotherapists including Six Music's Namone who is actually a trained psychotherapist and she had so much great advice and wow. it's been really helpful mm. I didn't know that no I didn't yeah I, I like her I like her DJ style I like explaining she's very chilled very relaxed she has such a great voice she has <laughs> interviewing her yeah. was just quite a thing because obviously she's such Amazing. a legendary DJ and interviewer herself so um, she was very kind wow that's fantastic well um, I'm so pleased we can talk about your book Sound Advice uh, subtitled The Ultimate Guide to a Healthy and Successful Career in Music um, what a fabulous book and like I said it, be, it has been described as a bible for the music industry I guess my first question is, what was the motivation behind writing this book? Um, So Lucy and I kind of had different but also very similar motivations for writing it and came up with the idea separately. And luckily our our paths crossed and we decided to do it together. Um, But my motivations for writing it personally were because as a journalist, I'd followed the music and mental health conversation that 
opened up about six, seven years ago now. Um, I think around the time the Amy documentary was released, a lot of people started talking about the issues that musicians face and, you know, is anyone doing anything about it? Um, I wrote quite a few articles, did quite a lot of research, spoke to lots of people in, in the health and music world and found that those on the business side, generally speaking, weren't really doing very much, like especially the major music companies, which blew my mind really because I just thought it makes so much sense for musicians to be supported in that way it was just crazy to me that they weren't being um and you know I continued researching it and there was panels at every single conference every year and there still is now on mental health um and then I got to the point where you know I was just asking what other people are doing all the time and I was like I wonder if I could do something to try and help the cause and I knew I wanted to write a book I knew I quite liked writing in a self-help sort of style and I thought I was on a holiday at the time and I was like okay well I want to write a book let's think about the things that I'm most most passionate about at the moment and where I have expertise and it was in the music business um, and the passion was like in the music and the health arena so I sort of put the two things together and, and came up with the idea of the book and then luckily over a coffee one day Lucy and I were discussing our future ambitions and both talked about wanting to do the book and then we were like yeah let's do it together and I'm so glad we did like I, I, I don't think I would have been able to do it on my own um and if I did it would have been really rubbish because I just <laughs> I just don't I just don't have the knowledge that Lucy has about like the health and music stuff it would have been yeah. a disaster well I actually think you you both have complementary skills and different voices but they they match really well that's uh, probably in Rianne's incredible editing yeah. <laughs> uh, abilities. So Rianne was amazing at making sure that the tone was consistent throughout. Right. So we obviously wrote different chapters and we'd yeah. edit each other's chapters and things. Um, but I think that was something you were really keen to do, wasn't it, Rianne? Like make sure that it had a really accessible sort of style of writing, um, but also yeah. that it was consistent. Yeah, that's yeah. that's brilliant. Um, and to to achieve that tone throughout the book is brilliant. Um, I guess my next question is, what is your personal experience about working in the music industry related to your motivation for writing the book? You know, I guess maybe some of the chapters you've actually lived some of those things and some of those challenges. I don't know, what What have you, what has been your experience personally? Well, I was a musician before I worked in the music industry. And when I was studying music, so it's quite a long time ago now, um, uh, as we spoke about before the podcast, I had hypermobility. So I was an instrumentalist and um, as my hours were going up a lot, I was getting so much pain in my hands and I just, you know, I really, really struggled with this. Um, and there wasn't anywhere you could go for support or there was no information mm. about it. And I also got really bad performance anxiety. So I joined a band after uni and um, we were doing quite big things quite quickly and like TV um, performances and record company showcases. And I started having experiences where I'd be playing and I'd sort of almost, you know, I'd forget all the music and I'd, it was just terrifying. Um, so early on in my career those two things were really yeah. fascinating but then to pay the bills I was also working in management um, working on big tours and just looking at the workloads of the artists and just thinking this is just not sustainable and it's it's just it's too much and everyone was getting burnt out so though I knew that I wanted to get involved in this in some way but it was so early on I didn't know how I could do it um, so you know we jump jump forward 10 years um, and I was doing a master's 
I was actually teaching at a university at that point as a vocal coach and a lot of the students um, had a lot of issues, health issues around performance, but generally as well, a lot of mental health issues. And I just thought, I'm not equipped to deal with this. Um, so I went to study for a master's in performance science, which is basically about how to support elite musicians and everything from peak performance psychology to health and well-being kind of um, strategies and, and the things that musicians experience. And when I was there, um, I realised that all the research and all the support went to classical musicians, but not mm. to pop. So that was my light bulb moment yeah. of going, hang on, we need to do exactly what they're doing in terms of the framework for support and bring it across. Um, and there was one really academic book, it's very, very dry, uh, called Musical Excellence, which is like a almost like an encyclopedia of every issue a musician's going to face, what they can, what the research says they can do about it and where they, not where they can go actually, it's just much more about research based. And I just thought, wow, what if you could write a book like that, that pop musicians could read and make it really accessible and yeah so that was that was how that all happened amazing and we spoke about coincidences and I just I can't I just can't quite get over like how one coffee that one day in Shoreditch House has led to all of this you know that's incredible and just if it hadn't have happened this yeah. wouldn't have happened that's incredible that book sounds amazing and it is really interesting because no one has applied that kind of performance science that modeling to the pop world no. at all ever and it, it just astonishes me that it still isn't continuing, really. Yeah. I mean, people are looking at mental health in the music industry yeah. now, which is great, but but not really how to support the sort of elite performance yeah. musicians. One thing that strikes me is um, I kind of work in a music and tech kind of crossover world, and everything is data-led. Yeah. And one of the things that really always strikes me in the music industry, it's not data-led. No. So I'm very interested in what you're doing in your doctorate that it's going to be data-led and then out of that we will have practice and solutions and recommendations and strategies yeah. to support all musicians, which for me is super exciting. One of the ideas that I find very exciting about what you're doing is that you are cultivating sustainable success. And on my podcast, I, that's the question I'm asking about success. and. One of the things that has struck me in all these podcasts that I've done is how do you keep growing? How do you sustain success? How do you create this long career? And I, it's obviously something that you've really thought about. So what do you think about this idea of sustainable success? I can barely say it, but sustainable success. I don't know, Rianne, what do you think? Um, we have a whole chapter in the book that kind of covers success and failure and also there are other chapters which cover this idea of um, just creating your own form of success. Um, and that might not be the same definition as those around you have. Um, and, it, you know, success is such a funny word because some people, to some people it means, you know, hitting the charts, getting the awards, getting, all of the, getting the big house, getting the money. But if you redefine it a bit and just define it as you know, whatever it is that means that you can live a generally content and balanced life, then that's where it gets really interesting, I think. And that's where it's different for everyone. Um, and that was a message that we were really keen to get through in the book. We didn't want to sell this impossible dream of like, you know, the 1% of people who will actually make money from Spotify streams or get an award or hit the top of the charts or get a major record label deal because the reality is those people are few and far between in music and the majority of people are balancing lots of different things. 
um, and having their own version of success. And, you know, we should all define that as success as well as the big wins. Um, that's kind of what I think. And I mean, I've had to go on that journey myself. You know, I lived in London for eight years and was very caught up in the music industry and going to the award ceremonies and doing all the networking and, I don't know, just showing face and trying to kind of be part of the crowd. And the importance of living in the city was also really underpinned by that. And when I told people that I was kind of going to move to southern Germany, surrounded by mountains and forests and lakes for a bit, I got quite a lot of, um, like, cautious looks fr from that. You know, people were like, oh, not really a good idea. Especially older people in the music industry, they were like, that sort of career suicide basically that's that's kind of what they said and it's just such bullshit because i can do my work from anywhere and i already built it up to a point yeah yeah and as we've realized over the last year no one could see each other anyway and everything continued in a way like you know we all found ways of surviving so i do think that you know there are a few there are a few myths that should be busted to do with the music business and where you need to be and what kind of face you need to put on in order to be successful um because it's just not true and it's also not fair because not everyone can be that person or can be in that location or you know can get out of their house regularly to see people like if we kind of embrace this idea that there are many different versions of success and balanced having a balanced and content life is the most important thing surely then um the music industry would become much more diverse and fun and relaxed i think you've probably summed up my whole ethos there <laughs> in that in what you've just said i couldn't agree more and well done you for breaking the mold and doing something different i mainly I don't work in the big music industries. I work with independents. I work with students, you know, and they're emerging. And I, I think what you've just said is a really important message that there are many ways of being. And um, my hope is that through these podcasts that we inspire students, emerging artists, that they go, OK, I'm going to do it my way. I'm not necessarily going to sign to a big label, yeah. but I'm going to have my super fans that support me on my journey and, you know, pay for and equip me to live my life so that I'm I don't have to be beholden to these kind of many dark forces in many ways within the music industry I don't know Lucy have you got any more thoughts on this on sustainable success I did a minute ago oh yeah don't worry <laughs> I was now thinking about what you were just saying <laughs> um I think one of the things I find fascinating uh that came out of the research about about this whole topic is is and it can actually apply to an individual performance or it can apply to your career as a whole, is this idea of always looking back and saying what went wrong and why, what went well and why, you know, how can you prevent those issues from happening again? So from my point of view in terms of sustainable success in, in my career or, or just actually keeping going, um, it's been about when things have gone wrong, working out why they've gone wrong. Mm. and what can you put in place to make sure that they don't if if it's going to happen again either you've got the support you need or it's not going to happen again or you can communicate to people around you um and so that's that this idea of reviewing um i find really fascinating yeah. um and it's and, and we hear about it a lot with um with performances as well yeah like if you want to improve your performance over time take time afterwards to actually review what went well and what yeah. didn't go well it's really interesting i think i really like that um 
over the few, past few years, my whole relationship with so-called failure has totally changed. I chose to see it in a different way I, and see it almost like in a maths or techie way, which is it's just feedback. And when you start seeing, yes. you, instead of using the word failure, it's just feedback or data points, it entirely changes your view because then it doesn't become personal. Failure is such a kind of heavy, emotive word. It was interesting hearing Joanne Croxford um, talking about the importance of integrity. And I think that's such an important one because as Rianne touched upon, you know, having goals and, 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 a, and an idea of success that actually chimes with your value system is so important. Um, but I also think the music industry is such a, such a challenging place to work in that you need to have that balance of sort of tenacity and passion. So you have to be able to overcome the barriers that you're going to face because you're going to face them constantly throughout your career. Um, so I think having that tenacity, but also being driven by passion for doing what you love is really important too. Yeah, no, I love that. Rianne, do you want to contribute anything else to those thoughts? Yeah, I think the point Lucy was making about integrity is, integrity is a really interesting one because um, the music industry does have a reputation for being a bit dodgy and having lots of people within it who are, you know, keen to screw each other over because I guess it's so competitive. And in some instances, there can be very high stakes involved in winning a deal or whatever it is that people are competing for. Um, but I do like to think that integrity and morals will win out in the end because it's such a relationship based business. And um I didn't really get that, you know, in my early 20s. And in some way, you know, I'm a journalist and it's not all about maintaining good relationships all the time. Sometimes you have to piss people off in order to report the truth and that's okay. But, um, you know, a lot of the time in the music industry and also as a journalist, you have to gain people's trust and you have to build relationships and those are built on integrity and good morals and if you align yourself with those two things, then I just believe you will attract the right people and you'll be working on the right projects and you will find success, whatever that means for you. I, I really love this and I don't know what you think, but I, well, I totally agree with that. You know, you have to have great integrity I think to work in the music industry because you're faced with so many choices repeatedly that could take you down some really dodgy avenues. I don't know personally I feel like there's been a revolution exactly as you explained earlier Rianne you know about mental health where we're talking about these issues these issues would never have been talked about a few years ago and personally it makes me feel really excited because Unless we have these character traits, I, I don't think success is sustainable, whatever success means. Um, I don't know, what do you think? Do you, do you feel like we're having a revolution? Do you think things are changing? Do you feel hopeful? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think Rianne and I have spoken about this. We, we've, I think we've both seen so much change in the different areas that we work in, in terms of how people are engaging with it, even just in five years. Um, it's funny, though, with the integrity thing. Um, I was really lucky. My first job was at a management company and um, it was for uh, freedom management. And the guy who ran it, um, he was sober and had always been sober and he had so much integrity. And he always he always taught me to be honest in business and to 
to approach things with integrity because he said, you know, the music industry is so small and you will come across these people again. Like if you screw them over, <laughs> you know, they, they you'll see them. And I remember going to Universal one day or whatever and because um, he worked with his brother and, you know, all these guys were like, Martin, hey, so good to see you, you know. And, and he, this uh, Martin was about 55 at this point. And, um, and I remember his brother saying, that's what happens. If you cultivate good relationships in the industry, that, that, you know, you'll be rewarded as a result. But it was very unusual. And Martin would always have the difficult conversation and say that work was a place that we grow as human beings and that we, he as a boss, had a responsibility to us to help us grow as individuals in the workplace and not just take the easy option for him. And he said we had a responsibility to do that with the people we worked with as well. So I think there have been people trying to sort of do good things and, and getting little stables of good people around them. But I feel like that's joining up a lot more. And I think it's coming in with this idea of health and actually the responsibility to look after the artists that people are managing or if they're signing or whatever. Um, and it's been amazing hearing publishers trying to work out how they can support their artists as well. And I think it's it's really just going a lot wider now than just management. Wow, what an amazing story. Who is this guy again? We're going to shout out Martin. What's <laughs> Martin Barter? Martin so Barter. I, I'm sure How he refreshing. must. He was amazing. He must have retired now, but he and his brother Darren, um, they had a songwriter and artist management company, and it was tiny. And they had Gary Barlow as a as their client, and um, and they never did contracts. They said we want to work with people that we absolutely 100% trust and we'll only work with them if you know we won't have a contract with them basically so that we know that if we're working together we can trust each other it was and this is early 2000s wow. it was quite unusual and then of course Gary went back in to take that which was another yeah. another story which was, was kind of fun a fun adventure but oh, that's inc- that just I'll tell you what that gives me so much hope mm. such a wonderful story and they're in many ways they're old-fashioned characteristics aren't they they don't yeah. sound rock and roll but for me, I feel like they're the five-star premium kind of set of characteristics. One of the books that really inspired me um, is Seven Habits of Highly Successful People by Stephen yeah. Covey. And my partner was a facilitator for them back in the early 2000s. And they talk about these traits, which on the surface sound kind of old-fashioned, boring, dull, but they are essential. Yeah. So when I saw you use the word sustainable success... I really like this because we're, this is our life, you know, we're in this for the long haul, whether we stay within the music industry or not. And I feel that these, having these characteristics are so important for personal growth and just for life. So I, I absolutely love that story. Um, now we're going to look a bit in the past and I, you're both in this kind of wonderful position of strength now. You've written the book. If you were looking back, what advice do you think you'd give to your younger self, your 18-year-old self? Is there any top tips that maybe would be helpful for the listeners? I actually ask interviewees this question all the time um, and find the answers fascinating, yeah. So I've had had a bit of a think about it. And, I mean, the first one that came to mind, which I will give a bit of an explanation for, is the cliche of don't be afraid to be yourself and lots of interviewees say that to me as well but I do think it's really hard um, to be that when you're 18 because I think at least for me you know I spent my 20s building up the confidence that I needed in order to be myself in these you know business situations Um, and it perhaps wasn't until my early 30s until I was really solid in that foundation so that does take time 
Um, but, you know, whatever you can do to start building that confidence early on, I think, will only pay dividends in the end. Because it's like it's like the integrity thing as well. You will, if you're yourself and you feel comfortable in that, other people can feel it and sense it and you will draw the right people to you and you will build a great network. Um, don't try and kind of mould yourself to fit into some sort of form that perhaps isn't you because it just, it's not going to work out ultimately. Um, and yeah, also, like I mentioned before, nurture relationships. And I think as a young journalist, you know, I thought that advice meant I needed to try and uh, be on, you know, good contact terms with very senior people in the music industry who were 20 years older than me. But no, it's actually a lot easier than that. It's just your peers. It's the people who are your age and who you genuinely can build friendly relationships with um, and maybe work together in the future, maybe not, but I'm sure they can, you know, you can provide support for each other in various different ways. Um, And it's just like you go about building relationships in the real world, you know, find people who share your values, hang out with them, make an effort to maintain contact. And that's all it takes. Like you don't have to, it doesn't have to be this like favor exchange all the time. Sometimes the value is just being yourself, providing company, providing support. And, you know, you never know where that relationship will take you in future. Um, And I would also say, and this is more of a personal one, but just don't worry, everything's going to turn out great. Because I think, (laughs) especially when you're younger, it's like you just have no idea and you're worried all the time. And I mean, definitely me, I'm quite an anxious person. So it was like I was always striving to like, you know, do better or do something else or, you know, find the right opportunity. But, like, everything played out in the way that it should have done um, just by me, you know, working hard and being determined and doing good work and maintaining relationships. Um, that's that's kind of the core things, I think, that have taken me to where I am today as well as passion about what I'm doing. Wow, what a fantastic answer. And I do see that in you, Rianne. I see this kind of constant, you know, you're, you're constant, you've worked really hard and it's very, it's built and you're, you know, these things don't necessarily happen overnight. You might get the odd break here, there and everywhere. But I can see that in your career and, I, and yeah, well done. Many congratulations because I think it's that and I, I think it's about that dailiness. And, you know, we do get the big breaks, but just being almost like faithful to your vision that you're called to. And I can see that you've done that. That's, that's just great yeah. advice. Brilliant. Lucy, anything to add? I mean, for me, it would have been about calming down. I think when I first went into the music industry, it was so exciting. And uh, any opportunities I thought were going to disappear and they wouldn't come again. So I had to say yes to everything. And that ended up sort of, you know, recording myself at weekends and doing gigs at night and working during the day. And, you know, not surprisingly, I kind of burnt out after a few years. Um, But I think I would have I would probably advise myself to find a really good way of calming myself down. So we spoke, you know, before we recorded about how I really love meditation and and also yoga. And I think once I discovered tools that allowed me to just kind of, ooh, let's just bring the bring bring it all down, um, things really changed because I think 
the music industry can be a really stimulating place. You get exciting opportunities, but also, you know, going to live music and working backstage with live music is very exciting and there's a lot of adrenaline. And if you're a performer as well, like, you know, that that comes up another level. Um, so it's re- I think it's really important to find ways to sort of ground yourself and bring yourself back down to earth. Brilliant. Yeah. No, I, I love it. I'm I'm of your camp, Lucy. I can be a bit hyper too. And, it, you know, it's, it's, it's taken me a long time to learn how to manage myself. And yeah. I, I would say I'm still in that process. Likewise. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, that, that's great. Um, again, I, you know, right next to success is so-called failure. And, and in many ways, it's, I've been doing this for a long time, looking at the word success and failure. And I can't, they're, they're kind of extreme words. So I'm going to say when things don't go well, you know, what has been your response to this sort of generally in life? Have you dealt with it? Have you found it difficult sort of being in the music industry? Rianne, do you have any reflections on that? I think generally speaking, I've been quite good at just bouncing back and realising that, you know, whatever it is that's gone wrong just, you know, wasn't the right opportunity for me or happened for a reason. Like if I think with the book example, which is easier to remember because it happened recently, you know, me and Lucy could have said that we failed to find a publisher, but actually we're both really glad we didn't get a publisher because we raised the money that we needed, we kept more of it in the end, and we maintained complete creative control over the whole project and chose the editors and chose literally everything and if we had a publisher, you know, would they have meddled in that vision? Would they have tried to make it more commercial? They would have definitely taken a chunk of the money. Would we have even earned any money from it beyond a very small advance? Like, that's the kind of thing you hear from authors all the time. You don't earn money from writing books. And this isn't to say we've earned loads of money from writing the book. Like, we haven't, but we at least were paid for our time. And, you know, who knows what happens in the future because you know, sales over a long period of time with our distributor taking a relatively smaller cut in comparison to a publisher, it could add up and we could earn a little bit of money over a period of time. So, and we did try and get a publisher, but I kind of lost patience with that very quickly. So I think, I don't really speak, I'm quite good at pivoting, um, trying stuff. And if it doesn't work out, I'm just like, well, you know, it didn't work out and we'll find a different solution. Um, if I feel really determined about something and I really believe in something, then I will make it happen regardless of any failures along the way. I've definitely applied for jobs in the past that I haven't gotten. And at the time, it probably felt a bit upsetting, but I've always just moved on quite quickly. Um, you know, I've, I've made errors in articles, of course. And at the time, especially my early career, it definitely felt like the world was crumbling around me if that happened and I got told off by someone or I saw a spelling mistake or just something that doesn't even matter, actually, in the grand scheme of things. But um, I also had a really good boss at the time who I thankfully still work with now, who is Tim Ingham, who runs Music Business Worldwide. And he was great at talking me down from a ledge or telling me that I was overreacting and I was behaving like a child and I need to get myself in order. Um, but you know what that takes? That's actually a kind thing to do. That's actually yeah. care. And lots of people don't do that. They're quite afraid, I think, of when when people have difficult emotions or, you know, so that, what an amazing person. Yeah, he was, um, he's an amazing mentor to me. He gave me a lot of his time and 
yeah, he did really seem to care about my about my development, and I think that can be quite hard to find in a boss, especially in an editor of a weekly magazine with a tiny team who were always stretched. So I will forever be grateful to him as well as, you know, any other people who have supported my career along the way, and there have been quite a few. Yeah, um, well, amazing. Um, I'm going to bring us back to your excellent book, Sound Advice. And I'm going to ask you a personal question, really. Which chapters come back to you personally? Which chapters have the most resonance? I know you'll probably say all, all of them, but I'm going to push you, you know, if you could choose one chapter and the subject area. Could you talk about those? I think for me at the moment, um, we both wrote the creativity chapter together. Okay. Um, and I'm, I've been doing quite a lot of creative projects recently. Um, and I have actually used the information in there. And I think because I know a lot about the other ones about um, physical and mental health and musicians. So that that feels something like I, I know myself. But the creativity advice and the advice on how to get into a flow state, how to get out of your own way and perfectionism. Um, I have a, a screen print of a Radiohead lyric on my wall that an ex-boyfriend gave me that says the best you can is good enough. And I see it every day. And it's something I struggle with on a daily basis is that yeah. perfectionism and and letting creative work go and saying, OK, as just like Rianne said, you know, it might be flawed. There might be a spelling mistake. And that's OK. It's, you know, you, you've done your best and that's all right. But um, yeah, that, that's those are definitely my weak areas. Yeah, I love that. And Rianne, for you? Um, it's hard to choose one. I would say I've thought a lot about the success and failure chapter and also um, some of that stuff that we talk about in that chapter is also covered in Lucy's setting goals chapter, which is this key message of um, like cultivating your own form of success and not letting yourself get distracted by what other people are doing or what social media is saying or you know, the expectations of others. And I think, like I said earlier in this podcast, you know, I spent eight, nine years living and working in London and I wanted, my goal at that point was to at some point be editor of a magazine and have a high paying job and be really busy and be going to all the events all the time and seeing the people all the time. And, you know, I did that. And then I moved somewhere, which is like the polar opposite of London and I had to like leave that identity behind and I had to drown out all the noise of people telling me that it wasn't a good idea and basically start from scratch again because I kind of felt like in my gut it was going to be a good idea for my mental health and also just my life progression and my life outside of my work. So that's like something that really resonated with me and I think about often when I'm, you know, feeling a bit lonely or missing the city a bit or feeling like, you know, did I right, make the right decision because... I think I did make the right decision and my career has actually only got better since I moved out here actually because I don't have all this pressure on me to meet my London rent payments which are extortionate and see people all the time and I just have a better work-life balance and I have friends outside of music um, which helps me maintain a sense of perspective and just puts everything into context. Um, so yeah, that for me is really important. And I also really like the mental health chapter because I think one of the key messages in that is the is the importance of uh, learning about yourself and learning what you need day to day to look after your mental health because it is a daily practice and that doesn't mean it has to be, you know, a really lengthy 
and involved daily practice, but I really try to remember to do little things every day that I know are going to make me feel at the end of the day, that was a good day today. Um, And that's not going to happen all the time. You have bad days and that's also okay. But also on those days, there are some different practices that you can do that, you know, will help you feel balanced or okay. And yeah, that's something that I think about a lot. Like I'm trying to do a bit of meditation every morning, literally just 10 minutes because it does make a difference. I do quite a lot of yoga. I get outside. I try and get outside at least once a day and enjoy nature and get away from my laptop. Um, I do some reading like all these little things I know are good for my mental health and sometimes it's easier to remember them than others but I just think it's really important to learn learn what those are for you because little things do go a really long way um we say in the in the intro we quote this frightened rabbit song um lyric from Scott Hutchinson yeah it, it all starts with tiny changes and we say that in the context of like you know, what the music business could be doing to help improve the health of those that work within it, but it also is relevant to what happens on an individual level. Yeah. Yeah, it says, I'll make tiny changes to earth. Is that the one? Yeah, it's a lyric from um, the Midnight Organ Fight album. Um, And it was, um, I used to do Sync for Frightened Rabbit years ago, and they were one of my favourite bands. And um, when the news came out that Scott was missing, um you know you you sort of there was very obvious links in his music to his mental health and how much he he struggled with it so um when when eventually it emerged that he had committed suicide mm. it you hear about celebrity deaths and you know a lot of them have been very very high profile and people who you feel quite removed from sometimes but for this one this felt really really close to home and um it was, it, I think that was one of the things that really made me, force, force me to think, like, what, what what else can we do? How can we support artists? You know, how can it be, whether it's through a podcast or a book or whatever, um, what more can we do? And so um, I just love this. It's such a beautiful song at the end. Um, it's sort of, it's a really kind of positive um, song in, you know, with some, after some quite sort of dark topics. And I just love that motto of I'll make tiny changes to earth because it means it it kind of inspires you because actually a tiny, you can do tiny things. We can't change the world, but we can do tiny things and those tiny things can actually impact and and make a bigger change. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I I really like what you said, Rianne, as well, about making those tiny changes, a little bit of meditation getting outside you know doing a bit of yoga and and you're right they all come together and I, you know for you Lucy there are little things that you do in that sort of vein kind of daily that you have found help you yeah the biggest one um has actually been having regular therapy I hadn't I'd, I'd had sort of courses of CBT or things before yeah. but I'd never really found that had been hugely transformative um and I'm working with an amazing therapist at the moment and um We've been working together for about eight months, and we you know we just had a, a breakthrough apparently. <laughs> but I but it was it was really amazing to see therapy actually work, and and you sort of talk about the experiences, and sometimes you think you know where where am I going with this, and then when actually yeah you do have a breakthrough, and 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 
it's it's absolutely incredible. So I, I'm a huge advocate for the powers of therapy for whatever it is that anyone's going through. Yeah. Um, and, you know, connect, as, as Rianne said, connecting with nature. So yeah. um, I find that really, really helpful. Um, and also uh, two other things. One is connecting with things that you love to reinvigorate you. So I spoke to a psychologist uh, for my podcast about um, burnout and he said in the literature, one of the things, one of the the biggest sort of like uh, ways of inoculating yourself from burnout is to connect with joy on a regular basis. And he said the problem is when we start getting loads of deadlines, we start saying, okay, I'm going to cancel that drink with a friend because I've got to get this work done. I'm not going to go to the gym. I'm not going to do that thing I love. I've just got to get the work done. And we start cutting all the joy out of our lives. Um, And when apparently it's absolutely essential to give us that energy and reinvigorate us. Um, So I'm I'm a big fan, you know, I'll put a favourite album on really loud or, you know, whatever it is that, that, you know, that invigorates you. Um, And one other thing is, for me is is about making sure that my why is big enough because I find that if I connect regularly with why I'm doing what I'm doing I can overcome any challenges it's when work feels insurmountable when it's work that I can't see the sort of the reason why I'm doing it so yeah. I know that's almost going more into the work side of things but it's again for me about like setting the goals that are in line with my values and making sure that my life is according to those values because then actually I find it a lot easier to yeah. to get through the things. That's really interesting both of you said um, when it's aligned with my values can you explain that a bit more because some people will go well I don't know what my values are how did you find out what your values are or you know how have you defined them both of you? Rianne? Um, I feel like that's probably the self-development process that happened in the course of my 20s. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how I... I, can't, I don't know if I can pinpoint how I developed them, but I think they're made up of various things. I mean, one, just gut feeling. You know, I can feel it when my integrity is being compromised. Um, it's a very physical feeling for me, and... I know that now and I know, you know, to stop whatever it is that's compromising that as soon as I feel that. Um, um, and, and I'm going to just dig it a big deeper. Is that like a physical feeling? Do you feel uncomfortable or is it a knowing? Yeah, I feel I feel physically uncomfortable. Um, and yeah, I guess it's also a knowing. It's just like something about this doesn't feel right. Um and that also goes for decisions, you know, you, you can, I can feel it when a decision isn't quite right. And that could be something as mundane as where to go on holiday or, you know, or a big thing about, you know, taking on a work project or not. Um, yeah. So I think tuning into that is, is really essential. And that can be done by just, I guess, spending time by yourself, getting to know yourself. Things like yoga and meditation and going for walks are really helpful for me for that. Um, spending a lot of time on my own. I'm quite good at that. Um yeah, and then also thinking about like what I admire in other people, um, what traits I value in other people and how I could emulate those myself. Um, and often, you know, they're not the traits that we're being pushed through media. Um, it's, obviously, it's usually something quite different, like, you know, people who are making really positive differences to the world or are just very confident and comfortable within themselves. Um and don't really care what other people think about that. All of those sorts of things I really value. And, 
my I was also really close to my grandpa. Um, he sadly died a few years ago, but he was just like the best man in the world, like so kind. He was from Kenethley, actually, Wales. That's why I'm called Rianne Jones, um, which is a very Welsh name. And, you know, the, the the church was absolutely packed for his funeral and so many people were upset that he'd gone because he was just such a kind man with such high morals about how to treat other people. Um, so I also think about him quite a lot and how to kind of emulate the way that he approached his life in my own life. Oh, well, thank you for sharing about your grandpa. I'm sorry for your loss. It's, he sounds like an amazing man. Yes, he was. Uh, was he musical in any way or, you know? Um, he sang in the Kenethley Male Voice Choir. Oh, my gosh. And his, been yeah, and his son, my dad, who sadly died when I was really young, was a professional trumpet player and he was amazing. He was a teacher and played in concerts and led a concert band like that was his full-time career. Wow, you've got an amazing Welsh heritage there. Yes, I do. I'm very proud of it. <laughs> and do you sing? Are you musical in any way? No, my sister got the singing voice. She's amazing. She's an amazing singer. Um, and she she manages a function band who were very busy, of course, before COVID. Now it's all shut down a bit, unfortunately, but I really hope it picks up again soon. I played instruments when I was younger. I loved the piano. I loved playing guitar in my teenage years. Um, but I haven't really, I don't know, my, my kind of practical energy has gone on trying to be a better writer <laughs> over the last yeah. 10 years. Yeah. So maybe that's something to explore later on in your life. Yes, I would love to. We've got we've got a really nice uh, weighted keyboard actually here, and I have got an acoustic guitar. And every now and again, I I do have a bit of a play, and I realise like I should do this more, but then I kind of forget about it. So, oh, that's that. Thank you for sharing those stories. Beautiful. I did wonder where the Rianne Jones came from, and you know, um, so the, at your actual name because it's such a Welsh name. So, um, and Lucy, what about yourself? What about your values? How did you write them out? Um, so as we discussed, um, I suffer from chronic pain and I was um, I had an appointment with a pain psychologist many years ago who was using a process called acceptance and commitment therapy, which is used quite a lot now in performance anxiety. And part of the process of doing ACT was she gave me a, an A4 sheet with about 100 values on it and said, right, I want you to choose, I want you to like tick 10 Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, and and these were things like, OK, it could be kindness or generosity or, or but, but they also included things like, you know, adventure and fun and, and these kind of things. And she was saying how important it is for us to do things that kind of activities that regularly chime with our values. Um, so, for example, you know, if generosity was something that was very important to you, what could you do on a regular basis to make you feel more like yourself? Um, so that's yeah, that was how I first got introduced to this. And I've been really fascinated by it since, um, especially, you know, we all go through times where you might feel less like yourself. You know, if you've been through a period of illness or or maybe after a global pandemic, you yeah. know, you might be thinking, who am I? You know, without I think many the thing. people are feeling like that because yeah. they've they've had their identity stripped from what they do. Yeah. A lot of musicians are freelance. They've had no work, yeah. you know, working in production festivals. A lot of people listening to this podcast are like that. 
yeah where are your values you know what are they exactly and 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 it was quite an amazing process I don't know for example you know friendship is a really important one to me having good friends and and she said well you know even just like what can you do on a daily basis just to be a good friend and just even sending that one text to a friend checking in or whatever and it's it's really amazing again like going back to small things but how how doing these small things that are in line with your values can actually really help you in that period when you're sort of feeling a bit lost Thank you both. I mean, fantastic answers. Uh, I really do appreciate those answers. And yeah, I, th- th- wonderful. So, And I think they're going to be really super useful um, for our listeners. Um, so again, still thinking a bit more about um, when difficult times come, what, what strategies have you found useful? You know, life isn't perfect. We're just coming out of a global pandemic. It's been really hard, you know. What can you share any um, strategies that you found personally useful, Rianne? Go for you. Um, I think I've learned that I like structure, um, and you know, during a global global pandemic, it has been really hard. I think for people to uh, maintain structure because that's been taken away from everyone, or a lot of people at least, whose you know jobs have been temporarily put on hold or they've had to work from home and then looking after kids or all these other things that come into play um but yeah I find structure really important and I think that you can find it even when it feels like everything is in total chaos um that really helps me just it's the one thing I guess you can control um you can make sure that you know you do the little things every day that make you feel balanced and you like I said before have some time outside or you know get work done at a particular time that you know you're going to be most um, effective so that really helps me Um, also things like remembering to always look at the bigger picture understand that the hard times are going to pass they're not there forever and also like life is up and down it's just a fact it's not going to be great all the time and you just have to live through the tough moments and accept them rather than fight against them um, and just look forward to when things start to get better again um, and know that lessons will be learned during that time and just try and be grateful for the things that are good within that tough period of time Um, because there will always be joy to be found I think kind of in any situation Um, seek the support of others that's really important friends and family um yeah that's it really yeah well that's a great list that's a fantastic list lucy have you got anything to add to that um it's funny how everyone's so different aren't they yeah, yeah. um i find the routines really hard i really struggle and i i you know i know the isn't that something that they talk about in the secrets of the the habits of successful people that you've got to be an early riser and you've got yeah, to do yeah and so you know I, I've tried this in the past and I've tried to be an early riser and it just doesn't work for me no. I, I, it all goes out the window so um <laughs> the things that I find are most important is uh, protecting my sleep mm. so making sure I definitely get eight hours you know blocking out the light earplugs if needs be mm. um so if I protect my sleep everything else seems to kind of fall into place better if my yeah. sleep's bad it all goes wrong um what else? Uh, so on a daily basis, um, if I'm really struggling, I'll just ask myself, OK, what's the most important thing to do today? Mm. And just let everything else go and just yeah. say, OK, accept the fact that today it's not a good day. 
there'll be another day. Um, but the other thing is, I totally agree with Rianne about having good people around you. I think that's really important. The other thing is um, that, as we discussed, um, I have a number of health issues. And um, one of the things I've really struggled with is that obviously everyone's been going through a lot. So people will say, how are you? And I'll say, I'm fine, thanks. And, you know, the world can be falling down. I can be back in hospital. But I think everybody else has got so much going on. They don't need to know. And um, I've recently been reading this book about, you know, how important it is to be honest and and actually how exhausting it is lying all the time. And so I'm trying now to be more honest. And I I find it such a vulnerable thing actually saying, you know, I'm really struggling. But that's the only way people can help you. And if I, you know, the times I've been honest with friends and said, actually, this is not a good time right now, then they're like, okay, what can I do? And they'll check in. And, And actually that being honest about what you're going through um for me is something that I'm yeah. still working on um but it seems to be hugely helpful yeah no I totally agree I think for me a book that was a life changer was Brené Brown her book about vulnerability I love Brené Brown she's a, a, an amazing author I'll put the link in the notes just to to really you've got to be your authentic self you know yeah. and uh it's important and it takes courage yeah, <laughs> to be vulnerable and say how you really are. Yeah, it really um, does. It gets easier though, doesn't it? It does. It does. It gets a bit easier each time. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've over the past decade, I've learned. I feel like I've learned a lot, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to put all these things into place, and yeah. I think it's a good way. It's less exhausting. Mm. You know, because <laughs> what you see is what you get, and that's it. Yeah, more energy for the fun. Yeah, stuff. absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. life is to be lived. It's it's all the good stuff. Um, okay, now that that's great. So one of the things, and again, inspired a bit by seven habits of highly successful people, effective people have effective habits. We've kind of actually touched on it uh, with what habits, practices do you have in place to create an effective living? We've talked about small things, um, you know, doing things every day. Have we got anything else to add to this part of the conversation? We have covered quite a lot. I had a bit of a light bulb moment recently when um, I suddenly realised that you don't have to believe your thoughts. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you sort of, your thoughts will be telling you like, oh, I know you're, you're late for this or that wasn't good enough or whatever yeah. it is, you know, and just suddenly going, oh, no, actually, that's not the truth. Yeah. <laughs> so that's something that's that's a new habit I'm trying to incorporate recently Fantastic. is just trying to be aware, just Firstly, even awareness of the... Uh, is it the critic or the censor within? Yeah. Is that a good word for it? Jack, Jack Williamson um, yeah. has a, a company called Music and You. He's a therapist. He calls it the shitty committee. I love that. It's genius, isn't it? And it's like they just the shitty committee just put all this crap in your direction and you don't have to take it. And, and so, yeah. so that's, a, that's a new and habit. And it's lies as well. It is. I read something about that the brain... It's a natural default for the brain to do. And I don't know why, and I couldn't tell you the science, but we, you know, we do something and then doomf, the kind of negative thought yeah. or the the censor or the, the critic. And yeah. And it's automatic, isn't it? Yeah. It just, the weird. thought comes automatically. And I find the trick that, well, the thing that's hardest to do is to just break that automatic. So thing. how do you do it? How do you do it? I'm still working on it. <laughs> Even the brain going, um, no. I just, I don't know. It just, it's. I guess it's like taking a step back, isn't it? And almost seeing your thoughts like on a, as a projector, like projecting on a wall, or yeah. just, just having that awareness that you can actually almost watch yourself as an observer. 
Okay. You don't have to be driven along by the drama or the emotion that your brain is always feeding you. Um, and maybe this was the light bulb moment I was telling yeah. you about. But just, yeah, taking a pause and sort of thinking, uh, is that really how I feel? Is that really what I want to do? I don't know. It's all, as I say, I'm not a therapist. This is just yeah. no, something uh, I'm working no, on. I think, I think that's, that's fantastic. Um, Rianne, do you have any other thoughts about effective habits? Um, yeah, I mean, it's what I said before. And also, like Lucy said, sleep is massively important to me personally, I have to have it. And if I don't, just everything falls apart. Um, but on on that, on that conversation that you were just talking about, I was actually talking to my friend about this yesterday. And we were saying how like, depending on where we are in our hormonal cycle, um, that can also really affect your level of negative thoughts, especially about yourself. And I had a period of this when I was on holiday and I was just like, it really got me down. I was having all these negative thoughts about myself. And and someone has definitely told me this at some point, whether it's a therapist or a book or something. But like, I think it's also can be really helpful not to try and negotiate with the negative thoughts, because if you try and, you know, say, well, that's not true because of that or because of that, then just another negative thought is going to pop up and it's like just whack-a-mole. And the best thing is to to do is just to like Lucy was saying, be mindful about it, you know, separate yourself from the thought. And then also I think to be like, okay, I'm having a really bad mental health day today. I'm having a lot of negative thoughts. So what can I do to just be really kind to myself while I have to sit with all of these negative thoughts because I can't make them disappear? Um, So, you know, what else am I going to do to make myself feel better? And that will look different for everyone. I know that for me, it's getting enough sleep you know maybe having a bath going for a walk talking to a friend eating some nice food um, watching a nice series or a nice film on Netflix taking the afternoon off work if I can um, I think that can also be be really helpful for just dealing with the negative thoughts that we all get from time to time I think that that's really well described and wonderful strategies there that's so helpful uh, so thank you Rianne for that um my last question to you both really is looking at the next generation of people coming through into the music industry. I'm really interested in how we can support the next generation, how we can support, I guess, my heart to support women, particularly in the music industry, who historically have had quite a rough time, um, but also new artists, anyone really, that they, they have that sustainable success that you've been describing you know, that they are able to put all these strategies into place. Is there anything specific that you think um, would be helpful for the people coming through, young people? I was doing, um, uh, I was on a selection board recently um, for a music charity that were looking to recruit someone. And it was interesting, obviously I'm a freelancer, so I don't really do that kind of thing that often. But objectively seeing the people who had that sort of integrity and passion um, really came through. But I think something that's changed from when I was probably their age is I think in the late 90s, I don't know if you'd agree with me on this, but that it was almost like, um, I I don't want to use the word bullshit, but I'm just going to have to use it. it. But there was almost like this expectation that you sort of were slightly different to yourself in interviews and you you slightly bullshitted, you know, and, um, and it's, I, I, you know, I didn't realize, you know, you can totally see through that. And I think now 
now we want more honesty and integrity yeah. and the people who were honest and say actually do you know what I, I don't have that skill but I'm very good at this and I know I could learn um it chime it was so much more powerful than someone who you could probably see was just winging it yeah um, interesting but t- yeah I absolutely agree yeah no I can remember like teaching myself answers for interviews <laughs> or just crap you know yeah. they were just rubbish yeah you know, I think one of them, what, what is your weakest characteristic? My weakest characteristic is I work too hard. Well, what a load of old <laughs> rubbish, you know? So yeah. that's interesting. Rianne, have you got any thoughts? Yeah, I think on that same vein, just being passionate and willing to learn is probably the two most important qualities. And I think for me personally, that has stood me in really good stead. Like I've always been really willing to learn and really wanting to learn and that just comes naturally because I'm passionate about what I do. So I feel like that's just the most important thing to realise that you don't need to know everything. No one expects you to know everything. And if you act like you know everything, you're probably not going to get the job or make many friends along the way if you do. Um, So yeah, being willing to learn and develop and understand that you're just at the beginning and just be a sponge for all the information that you can now access online and also through other people find mentors find people who are going to look out for you and spend time with you and help your development all of those things I think are pretty essential yeah fantastic advice and also I was thinking about you know if you had to recruit someone onto your team now if you expanded your business what kind of person would you be looking for you know a lot of students listen to this from both degree and master's programmes and also those coming out of school that just want to go straight into the music industry. What what att- kind of characteristics do you find attractive that you would value if they were working for you? I think for me, curiosity is a big one. People who are interested in, as, as Rianne said, learning more, but also kind of, I think in in the world that we're in at the moment, everything from a tech point of view, from an industry point of view, everything's moving and changing so fast that I think to have that natural curiosity and and, and willing to learn, but also willing to embrace whatever the new framework looks like, um, which actually I you know I find the younger generation obviously so much better at that than we than we are. So I don't think that's probably even anything that you'd have to specify for. Um, but I, I think also being able to work well with someone. So it would have to be someone that I connected with and that I, um, yeah, that, that was that was good with people because I think what I do is very people-based. Um, so, yeah, it would probably be those two things. And I would add on to that, like we've said a few times, honesty and integrity. Um, you know, if you need to, if you have to take a morning off or you have to shift your work around because something's come up, like just be honest about it. Um, it would just, especially like as a freelancer and someone who just solely works on my own, it would be really difficult for me to work with someone who I didn't trust. Um, so I think that's really important. And then a willingness to just work hard and learn and yeah, do, do good work and ideally have something that, um, like a cause that they're aligned with or just something that shows that they really care about something um, and maybe are a bit of a self-starter. So at the beginning of my career, I had quite a few blogs and I built up a following through this like journalism blog that I had. And I was always told that that's really important. That's also what employers look for. They look for someone who 
is so passionate about what they're doing that they'll just do it on their own regardless um, in the hope that, you know, they will get the job or whatever it is, the opportunity at some point. And I think that's especially true for artists these days. You have to get everything started on your own. And sometimes you continue with things, you know, on their own. You don't need a major label these days. You can just build a team around you. But you do have to put those first few years into building your fan base before anyone's going to, you know, look to work with you or give you an opportunity. Um, so I think that's that's pretty essential for anyone these days, that entrepreneurial skill. Yeah, I, I think we're all lots of little mini businesses now, aren't we? And uh, you, yeah, you do need those entrepreneurial skills, definitely. Um, I just want to say massive thank you for letting me speak with you and it's just been such an honour honestly um to come all the way to Wales to have this chat and I've I really have enjoyed our chat and I've really enjoyed your reflections um and your book is so amazing and I wish you every success with it and great sales now and in the future where can people find your book and where can they find you online what are the best places? So um, the book's available at soundadvicebook.com and we've got some discount codes that um, we can offer your listeners. So um, I'm sure you can put them in the show notes or whatever. Thank you. Um, and uh, I'm available um, I'm on social media. I, I use Twitter. But I'm, I'm rubbish at Instagram. I'm on Lucinda Heyman with an H-E-Y-M-A-N. Um, but on Instagram, I'm Lucy Heyman Music. So those are really the two that I use. Okay. And Rianne? Um, I have a website which is rianjones.co.uk. That's R H I A N. Um, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm Jones Journo, and that's where you'll find my work. And yeah, the this the Sound Advice Book website has a link to our Shopify shop. And on social media, we also have social media pages for the book, which are Sound Advice Book across all platforms. And there we tease. Uh, chapter expert excerpts and news and updates and competitions every now and again so they're worth keeping an eye on yeah I have to say your marketing is brilliant I love it and I love all your branding so I'm guessing that's Rianne that's you so well done it's it's absolutely fantastic and each podcast I always have a book that I put into my love live music book club so obviously book of the week is sound advice um and yeah i would encourage everyone listening to this buy this book read it it will serve you well on many levels um so thank you both lucy and rianne it's been an absolute joy thank you so much sally and for coming here and for your patience <laughs> we've had to rearrange this a couple of times oh it's so. fine it's been an um, absolute joy it's given me an excuse to uh, stay in wales and i've been swimming in the sea and having a great time so thank you <laughs> Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank, thank you, you ladies. Yeah, thank you.